Folks, a quick message from our sponsors, Know Before. So what's a con game? It's a fraud that works by getting the victim to misplace their confidence in the con artist. In the world of cybersecurity, we call confidence tricks social engineering. And as our sponsors, Know Before, will tell you, human error is how most organizations are compromised. What are some of the ways organizations are victimized by social engineering? We'll find out here in just a minute. Now, our sponsors' questions about forms of social engineering come in this form. Know Before will tell you that there's human contact, there can be con games. It's important to build the kind of security culture in which your employees are enabled to make smart security decisions. To do that, they need a new school security awareness training. See how security culture stacks up against Know Before's free phishing test. Get it now at knowbefore.com forward slash phishing test. That's knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Now, no before wants to thank you for listening to the show and I want to thank them for sponsoring it. They are the provider of the world's largest security awareness and simulated fishing platform. Be sure to take advantage of their free fishing test, which you can find at knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Think no before for your security training. From the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio, you're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast Tech Corner. And now, join me in welcoming your host and CISO, James Azar. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, young men and women, geeks, nerds, peeps, and just cybersecurity enthusiasts of all walks of life. Welcome to Veteran November, another awesome episode with another savvy dressing veteran i have been very um uh, amused of how uh different veterans dress for these podcasts so i love it if you're not watching us on youtube you should go do so right now and while you're at it make sure to subscribe to our podcast and turn on the notification bell every day at 2 p.m eastern standard time except the sabbath the jewish day of rest we will have another episode with some of our brave men and women you can find all of our content on our website at cyberhubpodcast.com and now without further ado join me in welcoming in our studio today mike anderson (laughs) (laughs) i appreciate that (laughs) mike thanks so much for um coming on the podcast um uh, by the way, I love your jacket. It's a very, very savvy jacket. I like it. It's it stands out. Do you wear that like in different events? O- only special ones, um, and this being the the most and the best. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I always look for an excuse to to put on a jacket. So this was a really good one to do that. But yeah, thank you. My, my pleasure to give you a good reason, especially in the era of COVID, right? Because I don't think I've had to. I think the last time I wore a suit. I think, you know, typically you wear a suit maybe three, four times a month. Mm-hmm. Since COVID broke out, I think I've worn it three times total. Right. Yeah. I'm the, I'm not the same, but um, getting getting a chance to jump, you know, jump in a, a jacket. A tie, that's that's a whole different era, right? I'm not going to put on a tie, but uh, jackets and a button-down shirt. Buttons make me look smart, so... Um, and and the glasses too. You gotta do the, You got you gotta do the glasses thing, right? You take it off. You go. You put it kind of in your mouth. I yeah. love when I love when uh, reporters do that on news stations. I die right. laughing at them. I'm like, so are you trying to portray that you're thinking while there's a teleprompter? Tell <laughs> did the teleprompter tell you to take your glasses off, look d- yeah. deep into the camera, and say, America, we have a choice to make. And you're like, that's right. Timing is good. Okay, buddy. <laughs> All righty. So um, 
Let's talk a little bit about your service to our nation, your our uh, veteran November um, um, guest here. So, Mike, tell me a little bit about what branch you served in and how long you were in the service for. Yeah, I was in the uh, Air Force. Um, I served for a total of 21 years. Um, 14 of that was active duty, and then I transitioned out into the reserves. So I got a taste of both worlds when it comes to you know the dynamics and the interaction, the workflow um, of being in, and then also man- managing a you know uh, the, the pain points of a, of a reservist as well. So yeah, total 21 years uh, as um, in the Air Force. Enjoyed so, every bit of it. So so you essentially went through the whole 21 years of service, retired. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then kind of moved out. What'd you do in the Air Force? Uh, I was an OSI investigator, so okay. Office Special Investigation. Most veterans would know that. The only difference is we didn't have a TV show like NCIS, so right. I always use this. <laughs> as so, a reason. so so let me so let's do an NCIS trivia. Who's your favorite NCIS? Like what what NCIS is your favorite? Because they've made like LA, New Orleans, right? That's an easy one, only because I'm Louisiana uh, bred. I was Alaska born. Dad was in the army. Louisiana bred. Uh, it's definitely NCIS New Orleans because. Really? Oh yeah, I, yeah. I'm not. I'm not an avid watcher of it, but I pick it because of the city. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so, so I like the original NCIS. Simply because they had an Israeli Mossad agent allegedly in the NCIS. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Right, which I found very, very funny because I'm like. NCIS is an office of investigations. Why would they ever do anything with the Mossad? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. As a like, you know, if it was like a naval investigative officer from the Israeli Navy, I'd, I'd believe that. Yeah, right, Mo- but Mossad. Mm-hmm. But uh, now you get now, see now you now you have us talking about NCIS and and yet another well, reason. Well, you, I should, you know I what? Should it, have been an NCIS, right? You know, well, here's the thing, though. Uh, a lot of people that um, um, are non-veterans that are listening to us, right? Mm-hmm. Their idea of the military is NCIS, is some of the stuff that they see on TV. It's a Jarhead, the movie, for example, or American yeah. Sniper, right? And I'm like, listen, man, um, like, not everything you see in these movies is real life right right um right. you know let's get that let's get that done straight i love it when people come up to me and be like so what's it like and is it like this and i'm like no no it's really not like a two-hour movie of just shit blowing up and getting shot at right right yeah no you're right there's definitely a difference um even the recruiting videos right uh you see that versus um what the reality's like um, so yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And, and for the good and the bad, right? Um, right. Mm-hmm. No, no, there, there, there's positives and negatives to that. So, um, so, so how did you end? So let's talk about this. How did you end up in cyber? If you were in OSI, meaning you probably had very little to do with it network, anything like that. How did you end up in cybersecurity? Well, most of my career, uh, I focused in on counter intel, um, a little bit of counter terrorism, and through the course of doing investigative work, uh, defending uh, Air Force programs, and you know, th- there was a flavor that always seemed to traverse that domain, right, of, of the physical side with the cyber side, um, and 
part of the investigations that I that I was you know involved in and the activities we were doing, uh, you, you get to see how uh, interaction and engagement and uh, both domestically and internationally occur. The, the the interconnectivity of what we do on a daily basis, right, is is through the internet, it's through the cyber piece. So those those threats that we were looking at um, naturally traversed that domain as well. So that was my first you know introduction into it. Uh, that being an enabler, you know, for good or bad, and so I, I got a lot of interest in it, and that kind of you know gravitated me more and more in that space. Uh, and then eventually, when I transitioned out um, from from the active duty side, I had an opportunity to go and work for a company uh, focused in on uh, advanced persistent threats uh, from an APT, as they call it, you know, um, vantage point. And so that's really where my transition occurred was because of the. The, the, the background yep brilliant that's a that's a by the way you you are like if i ever need a wingman i'm calling you because that was just the beautiful setup for the next transition which is let's talk <laughs> about your transition from the military to the civilian side um what was that like um and and, and how did you prepare for it it was well uh, i actually i went into it a little blindly um and the reason being is because um I enjoyed everything I was doing, and I didn't get out and go in the reserves because I didn't enjoy the active duty. I desperately did. Um, the opportunity to transition was both from a family personal, uh, you know, reason I had two kids and uh, they were at an age where coming and going was very challenging, but I still wanted to serve. I still wanted to be a part of what I was doing, and I couldn't make the transition without an opportunity of doing something that also gave me that fulfillment. And so I knew if I could make the transition and balance the two, I'd be okay. And, and so I found the company that I went to, uh, but part of that, as you noted, you know, preparation was more, I was more concerned about how do I uh, get my TMO done? How do I uh, show up for my first day? Do I wear a snazzy jacket like I'm wearing or do I wear, <laughs> you know, a t-shirt? Um, but so, so that was easy in the sense of being, uh, you know, veteran and military background, you can attest to this. We're, we're used to um, planning, but what I didn't understand was the culture was a little bit different. And uh, the experience that I had probably that first six months was, was new. And, and there is no true guidebooks. I mean, there wasn't uh, a lot of, of information outside of the typical, you know, taps that you do. Um, so I, the preparation I did was, you know, I followed, the guidelines of how we, we, we transition, uh, but I wish I would have had more mentor capability when I made that, that first transition out on, uh, this is what the real world's like, right? This is the reality, and, and that varies depending on industry to job, et cetera, but I think that was one piece that um, I wasn't able to prepare for. Yeah. So, so let's talk a little bit about those first six months. We've been, you know, we talk about transitioning quite often and um, especially on the veteran November series because that's really the most difficult part you were in for 21 years so for 21 years you lived a specific lifestyle you had structure order you knew every two to three years you might be getting reassigned to a different unit a different base somewhere else that you were going to go to um, you you get to travel a little bit you get to experience and do things differently and then in kind of the civilian life like you said culture is a little different planning's a little different 
Um, mm-hmm. what, what was um, maybe uh, the right way to phrase my question would be, what was, uh, what was the most difficult part of the transition for you as you kind of stepped into the civilian side of things and, and got your first job and, 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 more, and, mm-hmm. and kind of settled in this kind of new routine? Yeah, I would say it's two sides of the coin for me personally was um, getting that that trust. Um, when you're in the military, uh, you know, you you have a performance, you have a job to do. And a lot of that's built on the trust of people around you. So the level in which you perform oftentimes can be because of someone who's next to you um, coming in behind you. Right. Um, working together. So that performance and that trust is just ingrained in us. And, and, and so the transition out was looking for that same thing, looking for that human contact that I could build that relationship with, that trust with, which then, you know, provides me that, that loyalty and commitment. The same things I had before I was looking for in my first six months, eight months. And it's not that it doesn't exist, right? Rather, it's you're not used to the framework. You're not used to the economic engine uh, because before the performance that we were doing was we had a mission, we had an objective, we had a goal. But from a top-down perspective, it can be different in in corporate America because the performance there is really rooted around uh, oftentimes business profitability, you know, the numbers that you're making. Um, And and so that that becomes a challenge to, one, identify that goal, that mission that you're after, and then going towards that goal and that mission um, with the performance that's rooted in that trust of those that you're working with. So that that first six months, James, at first probably six to 10 really was um, knowing how that system works versus how it was in the military and then looking for um, those connections, that human contact to build that loyalty. So. You know, one of my favorite questions I always ask people in a job interview is, um, you know, especially if they're, you know, 10 years removed from being 18, and I'm going to safely assume that both of us are 10 years removed from being 18. Mm. Uh, probably you and I are both about 20 years removed from being 18 at this point. I like that the 10 was best. But, but, right. Me but, too. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd trade anything <laughs> to go back to being 28. Um, but, <laughs> uh, but, but. You kind of, um, what would you tell yourself now, uh, looking back at your discharge and what would you say, Hey, here's one thing I wish someone would have told me that would have probably helped me. And, and I probably, uh, I might've either made a different decision, avoided a mistake that cost me something or could have helped me kind of avoid some pitfalls along the way. What would you tell your younger self now, um, after the discharge? Um, Seek, seek, seek people that are there, right? Um, and again, it doesn't matter what, I mean, I, I went into the financial industry vertical, right? But it doesn't matter what vertical it is. It doesn't matter what job it is because culture is, is everything. Um, that's what we're used to. That was, as I mentioned before. So I, I would tell my younger self, um, eight, eight years removed from now, because um, <laughs> I'm going to stay with that eight, 10 year number. But I would tell myself then is really to seek out people that are that are in, that are in the corporate America, whether they're one year in, five years in, um, and ask them, you know, what, what's what's it like, right? I I wish I would have asked those questions before, um, because you can plan as much as you can based on what you know. But you know, you know, uh, 
discovering the unknowns is you you have to reach out. You have to get an understanding of what corporate um, what, what the corporate life is is like. And again, tr trust me, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's fantastic. I I love it. I love what I do. I love the people I work with. Um, but understanding what pitfalls um, to be aware of is really only going to come from conversations. And and uh, I wish I would have done that more. Um, but that would be the biggest advice I would get is is the veteran groups that are out there, the veteran networking. I mean, they're there for a lot of reasons, but that is a huge one, especially for people yeah. that are transitioning out. Yeah, I want to say that. Um, and for those that are listening or watching on November 30th, um, I'm going to be closing out Veteran November with um, um, uh, uh, Brian Lozada, Chris Cochran. Uh, Brian Lozada's the CISO over at HBO Max. Uh, Chris mm -hmm. Cochran, Hacker Valley Studio, uh, advanced pers persistent guy. Um, <laughs> we're we're, we're going to get everyone together and we're, um, we're, we're going to hang out and talk about this for, for about an hour or so. Awesome. Um, you're invited to, to come again, Mike, and kind of tune in and hang out with, with all of us. We'll have a bunch of people there. But um, the reason I say that is because when you talk about veteran networks, and mm -hmm. what I want to do on November 30th is the establishment of a veteran network within InfoSec that isn't a distributed but a centralized veteran network that allows people of all walks of life to engage with us veterans who are, you know, veterans uh, – uh, our, our brothers and sisters who are still in uniform looking to transition out and need mm -hmm. that help or mm -hmm. people who might be looking to enlist and want to talk to veterans about what that's like and kind of, you know, planned their career path. I know when I was, um, when, I, when I enlisted, I, I had spoken to my recruiter, a really cool guy, Sergeant Jones, uh, Donnell Jones, really great dude. Um, and um, me and him were talking and then I went and I started asking other people about planning. So what do you do? How long should I do it for? What are the things I should be paying yep. attention to? What's yep. the stuff I shouldn't be paying attention to? Mm -hmm. What are the things I can and can't do? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And um, that helped, right? In enlisting and kind of building your plan, building your career, building your life, understanding the mistakes to avoid, the traps that, that some people fall into not to fall into them. Um, mm -hmm. Taking MEPs seriously, taking the ASVATs seriously, um, you know, running and training. It was fascinating when I lived in Israel, I lived right on the beach. Mm -hmm. And every morning I would see a group of 16 and 17 year old kids training on the beach. And they're training because they know they're going to get enlisted because everyone has to do military mm -hmm. in Israel. And so they're getting their PT up. Right, they're getting their fitness in line so that when they join the military and they're off to boot camp, they're already in good physical fitness shape. Mm -hmm. And there was, I, I remember this period of four months. I saw the first time I saw this group and I knew the instructor and they always ran in the beach by my house. And I was the kind of guy who would grab his uh, paddleboard or surfboard every morning. And before I started my day, I'd, I'd head to the beach and surf for a little while or spend time in the water. Um, mm -hmm. Even if it's just, you know, paddle boarding or whatever it is, um, just to kind of get my blood flowing. Um, something I desperately miss with the fact that I live in landlocked Georgia at the moment. <laughs> um, and so I remember I saw this overweight kid. And this, again, goes to veteran networks, right? And 
he was running with the group. He was obviously far behind the group. And this was the classic kind of, I want to call it the, this this overweight young kid that you can tell has probably been overweight since he was three years old, mm-hmm. right? Has mm-hmm. never really been a, a kid that's going to go play soccer with the rest of the kids or play basketball. He was probably more with reading books and, and comics and, 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 mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. And But he knew he had to go to the military and he knew he had to get in shape. And he wanted better for himself. And I saw him the first two weeks almost breaking every time. Mm-hmm. And then um, his third week, he had kind of a, a, a turnaround. And what was great for me to see is those 16 and 17-year-old kids that are traditionally mean were encouraging him. Mm-hmm. And by the third week, they didn't let him run alone. They were pushing him that, those last 200 yards. They were pushing him those last 300 yards. And there's... Um, um, there's a drill that you learn, and 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 I forgot what 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 the name of it in English is. I remember the Hebrew name is called schnitzel, mm-hmm. right? Schnitzel, fried chicken or fried beef, depending on 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 where you come from, is mm-hmm. you go into the water, you get yourself wet, you then come out, you roll yourself in the sand, kind of like breading a schnitzel, and mm-hmm. then you have to run a hundred yards, and then swim a hundred yards in the water, covered in the sand, so the sand's weighing you down. Right. And I remember seeing him do his first schnitzel and the kid could barely make it. And then fast forward, you know, kind of like their last few weeks of training before those guys, you know, end up getting uh, the, the the letter and they go and they do their ass vats. Um, that kid was just killing it, man. He'd probably mm-hmm. lost like a good 10, 15 pounds, still a bit overweight, but, but he looked good. He looked healthy. He was confident. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's something um, where a lot of veterans, when they leave the service, they're kind of like that kid, mm-hmm. right? You're you're overweight when it comes to civilian life. You're overweight and unsure of what you're doing because mm-hmm. you're 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 used to one way of thinking, and the military really changes you as a person. It defines you. It, it, if you were a slacker, you're no longer a slacker. Slackers don't make it in the military. Not unless they hit the high, you know, E7, E8s, then they become slackers again. Um, <laughs> right, right. Right. But but from the moment you enlist until you hit that level, you can't be a slacker. Right. Yeah. I'm sure I'm going to have to do some push-ups and I'm going to get a bunch of 22 push-up challenges because of that comment. But I don't mm-hmm. care. Just pump <laughs> me up, boys. Um, um <laughs> Little time, that's right. <laughs> right, um, but 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 it's a, it's a very interesting thing that you talk about, kind of like the culture, the the adoption, kind of looking for that network. We need mm-hmm. to create a better one of those as well. I think mm-hmm. we need to have um, um, more involvement with our local, you know, bases where we are in in those you know, men and women that are leaving the service and kind of build for them an outside support network. And I know there's a lot of different charities that do that right now and a lot of different groups, but I'm all for centralizing those efforts so mm-hmm. that it doesn't fall on deaf ears. Mm-hmm. Right. Does yeah. that make sense? No, hundred percent. I agree with you. I mean, I think the, 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 the underbelly of what we did in the military and those that are in, and even today, right. It's, it's consistency. Right. And I think having that, that access to something that's consistent that could be supporting. Uh, I really like what you said, bringing in those that want to enter the, the veteran, uh, you know, space, the military. Oftentimes I think of veterans groups and I'm thinking of those that were 
we're already you know in uh, support structure, but having it um, where you could have individuals that are wanting to go in to serve to do those things that we all have done. I, I think that's yeah, that's great. It's great. Absolutely. So uh, I, I do apologize for looking away from the screen there for a few moments, folks. But when my Israeli wife texts me and she knows I'm recording, I have to answer. <laughs> Plus, she's Israeli. She scares me. Um, <laughs> talk. Let, let's talk a little bit about, you know, when, when you looked at, at kind of that, that transition and now how long have you been? How long have you been a civilian for now? Uh, well, technically, um It all blurs together. Uh, about ten years. Um, okay. Now, now I know what you're doing, right? You're trying to get all the numbers and adding up. But keep in mind, I was reserved, so that ten-year period, yeah, I've just busted it. But, but uh, I was reserved for some of that period. <laughs> I was not doing the math. Okay, I was not. But I know some viewers have, and they'll probably comment below and be like, "Dude, you're that old? You don't look yeah, it. Right? Are you kidding right? me? <laughs> you're too old to be wearing that jacket." Yeah, exactly. No, you're not. <laughs> You're never too old to wear that I jacket. I um, if you had a bow tie, it would have been perfect. Uh, remember I said ties. I don't do ties, right? I don't do ties. I feel like a tie just uh, – I don't like yeah. ties. Um, you know – you're kind of in a very interesting side of cyber, right? Because you're more in the business development relationship building side of cyber um, mm-hmm. and less kind of on the practitioner side. So, mm-hmm. so what had what did the military service contribute to the fact that you were able to kind of step from the practitioner side? And what have you taken from the military that's helped you excel in the business development side? You know, as I transitioned, I'll caveat it with this, as I transitioned in the different industry verticals I worked in, um, after I got my feet underneath me, right, and was able to understand how the, the dynamics of things work, one of the most important things I think that helped me was, and I always go back to culture because it still is and is omnipresent, whether we realize it or not, is the underbelly of, of how any company uh, operates and how the military operates to a large extent. Um, was understanding the, 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 the relationships and how the, the, those pain points as a practitioner, as I was doing the job or as I was leading a team or uh, building a team, is what is it you know, that they needed? What is it, I should say, what is it that I needed? Why did I need it? Um, and, and really walking away from, from that as I moved into more of the business side. The reason why I moved into more of the business side is because not from a transactional perspective, but again, carrying with me, I, I want to establish relationships. I want to help. I want to lead with the ability to, to support what I was doing on the corporate side. And it's, it's extra special, right? When I get to work with a team or a business unit that, that is made up of veterans, um, there is that connection that I mentioned before. So for me, it's, it, it, it's that piece, you know, carrying that framework with me, but also um, the ability to to move from one problem set to another, or in my case, move from one um, client or customer or company and really interact with them. Uh, I enjoy that, and so I may have professional ADD, if you want to call it that, but I really like moving and, and taking what I learned and helping someone else, right? I saw this here. Um, this could be applicable in your space, and, and it really is that, that swell that I have from the military that consistency, that persistence, um, 
you don't you don't lose it, right? You carry it with you. And so moving from as a practitioner into the business side, um, I, I've stayed consistent in that. I may have changed how I interact or engage uh, because everybody's different. Uh, and, and, and I enjoy that. Right. So I learned that in the, in the military and it's, it's helped me a lot to first establish those relationships because at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's really about relationships and, and making those, those, uh, connections. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that highlights the diversity that's needed in InfoSec. So if you're not a smart computer guy, but you're a great relationship guy, we still need you in InfoSec. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, don't, don't discount that. Don't go sell used cars. Don't right. go sell uh, at Best Buy. Um, reach out to any one of our veterans and, and I'll volunteer Mike here and mm-hmm. he'll help and they'll help you, whether you're a he or a she, um, mm-hmm. kind of get into the idea of understanding cyber and then using your skills to benefit our, our community as a whole. Um, I know mm-hmm. we definitely need more better trained salespeople in InfoSec as a CISO. Let me tell you, man, I'm constantly upgrading my spam filters because of salespeople. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I think it's it's what you and I both know that we're cut from, right? It's it's um, it's more of the, the 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 what and the how. It's the it's the why. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it's it's a, a Simon Sinek approach, and and he's my spirit animal because it really does come down to that. If I'm not helping, um, you know, they always say always be closing, and that's a sales thing. Um, I didn't understand what that meant, you know, but now I do. But I, I believe, you know, always be helping because the relationships is really what matters the most. Oh, no different in the, in the military side. You know, I'm not going to do something. I shouldn't do something from the integrity perspective because it's benefiting me. I should do something because it's benefiting us. It's benefiting the, the team. It's benefiting the, the mission and the goal. And so I think when you, when you buy, you know, into that um, and you understand that, the purity of it, uh, the the conversations will will you know unfold naturally, and that's where where it really should be. Um, and unfortunately, it's not the case always. And and so yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't blame you. Uh, upgrade your spam filters. Upgrade your spam filters. As we wrap up, we're almost out of time. And if you and I were chatting too long before we started recording. Good but conversation. We are we are guilty. I am guilty of being a chatty Betty. Um, I'm, I'm very guilty of that. Um, um, but but I do feel like getting to know people is critical, and spending time together and and learning about each other is just as important. It, it makes mm-hmm. this episode better. It makes all episodes better. And it also, you know, at the end of the day, this is a very very small world, and our path will cross multiple times. And so, you know, those personal relationships are, are, are critical. Let's talk. My favorite question of this entire show is the one thing you miss about your service in the military. What, what is that? The one thing that I miss. Is that what yeah. you said? Yes, okay. Sir. Yeah. The, well, I mean, it always is the camaraderie, but it, it really is for me, you know, that it's just hard to explain, you know. No, it's I, not I, hard to explain. It's not. Yeah. It's been the everyone's answer. It's been everyone's so. answer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, good. I'm glad that um, my honest answer is yeah, the exact same thing. It really is. I mean, you still you still seek it out. It's like I said, the first six months, I was that's what I was seeking, right? Um, it is that. That's what I missed the most, James. Absolutely. Brilliant. Mike, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for your service. Thank you for um, 
sharing with us. And I'm sure you're available for people that are transitioning, looking to transition or get an infosec. They can reach out and get a little bit of help from you and guidance if they need it. Absolutely. Even if they're in CIS, I'm going to help them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, th- thank, thanks for having me on as well. And, and I, thank you for your service as well. Um, All right. My pleasure. Thank you, folks. Another Veteran November in the books. Veteran November is a hashtag that I hope in the next several years will only grow to highlight our veterans in our nation. And I hope that it'll spread outside of InfoSec and into other realms and worlds of highlighting how our veterans are contributing and adding to each and every single industry in our nation. And that beyond their service to our nation, they're also a powerful force in our economy. They're entrepreneurs, they're business leaders, and they're game changers in all aspects of it. And so that's, uh, I hope that that's what people get out of the series. That's it for us here. We'll have more episodes each and every single day, Sunday through Friday, take Saturday off, turn off your phone, enjoy some time with your family and friends, go for a hike, fishing, hunting, I don't know, but just do something with yourself and get off your tail and the computer. We'll be back with the, until then, my name is James Cesar, Mike Anderson, who was my guest today. Thank you very much. Stay healthy and stay cyber safe, America. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues and get all the latest information at cyberhubpodcast.com.